Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have Laura Haddock DiCarlo with me. She is the CEO of Laura DiCarlo Products, and she is wanting to change people's attitudes about sex technology. She's bringing sexual health and wellness into the wellness place, and we talk all about that, how she designed her products, how she started her company, and her entire journey, all in the good name of empowerment and sexual freedom. I hope you enjoy our wonderful conversation. I sure did. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have a new friend, also Laura, just spelled with an O instead of an A. Welcome. (laughs) Hello. Thank you very much. I'm super excited to be here. I'm kind of a yoga fanatic, so very blessed, very, um, very humble. Thank you. Well, I just want to start off by saying the first line that I read that jumped out to me about you was inspired by an orgasm. So (laughs) I just love that this, uh, or a very good orgasm, I guess. This was the pinnacle, I guess, that put you on the path you're on now. So can you elaborate a little bit about what you were doing before this fabulous orgasm and how it so changed your life that you went to this different direction with this highly successful company. Right. Well, I think let's just let's just establish that orgasms and sex sexuality and how it's it's linked to identity can be life-changing. You know, we forget that sex is actually kind of strewn through every single facet of our lives on a daily basis, but we just kind of shun that and we shame that. So um, I think that's probably where I was at the point in time when I had this like life-altering orgasm. Um, I had spent over 10 years in healthcare at that point. Um, I was actually studying my uh, to get my undergrad. Um, I was in Portland working for an immunologist, an internist, uh, allergist, and uh, going to night school. 
And I actually wanted to finish and become a, an orthopedic surgeon. But when you're going to night school, that, that's about, a, I was you know, doing the math and I realized that's about 10 years down the barrel of school and residency that I was looking at. So I, I was kind of at this, this pivotal point in my life where I was like, I love what I do, but the healthcare industry is changing drastically. And I want to make a difference in this world. And maybe this isn't what I was meant to do. Um, and I was also speaking to a lot of physicians that also had the same kind of approach. And they were saying, Laura, you're really smart, but like, don't do this. Like, you know, don't, don't stay in medical. Like, you know, I'm talking to doctors that have been in practice for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they're like, it's not what it used to be. You know, do something else. And, you know, that, that probably sounds terrible to tell like a student, an aspiring med student, like, don't do it. But that's actually what I was getting from a couple of different physicians. And so I was considering it. And one evening, I had a life-altering orgasm. I was with a partner that just really knew, knew their way around my body. And they were doing some things that I went, whoa, <laughs> where'd that come from? <laughs> and... um you know, it's uh, this particular orgasm was literally it was a full body sensation that felt a little bit like having a seizure and a religious awakening at the same time. And I'm not religious, but that sure as hell what it probably felt like. Literally seized up the side of the bed, and I remember having like one leg still hitched up on the side of the bed, and I'm laying on my back, staring at the ceiling, just thinking, "Holy crap! How do I do that again?" and you know, the person I'm with, I was like, this isn't going to last forever. So how do I do it again by myself? And I want to learn that. That felt really powerful. And in my drooling stupor, this is basically all I could think was, how do I do that again? And I'm uh, kind of a Jack Russell Terrier when it comes to new projects. I get all over that tennis ball and I rip it apart into tiny little shreds until I figure it out from the inside out. And then I go to the next tennis ball. So I started ripping into the tennis ball of orgasms, erogenous zones, and the physiology of erogenous zones. And not only that, but I was actually looking for a product that would help me to relive that same orgasmic experience. And what I discovered was that this experience was what Women's Health Magazine at the time coined as a blended orgasm. Now, a blended orgasm is when you stimulate, and how they described it was you stimulate the glands, clitoris, the little man in the boat that we do see on the outside, and the G-spot, um, or aforementioned G-spot, better known as the urethral sponge. And what you're actually doing, though, is you're stimulating the entire clitorourethral vaginal zone, or the CUV zone. And when you do that, you get this really intense, almost full body sensation because you're stimulating the entire clitoris. Now, if you can imagine, if you put two fingers up, like make a peace sign in front of your face and imagine that the little apex between your knuckles is where the clitoris is or where the glands clitoris is, those two fingers, your, your pointer and your middle finger, that's the rest of the clitoris. Your clitoris is actually almost four inches in length um, and it's about the size of a halved pass avocado. <laughs> and it's all super, it's all underneath the external physiology. So what we're doing is we're stimulating from the inside to the outside, the whole thing using what we ended up understanding was biomimicry. So we're mimicking the motion 
of a human partner. Biomimicry is technically, it's the mimicry of biology could be plant, animal, or human. So what we're doing with our products is we're actually mimicking the, the, uh, the sensations or movement of a human partner. But back then, all I could think was, how do I get something that doesn't vibrate, that feels like a human partner, can actually, you know, be customizable to my anatomy and to other people's anatomy because I realized like no two people are like, no two vaginas are the same. That is for sure. And um, I'm pansexual. So I was dating women. I was dating men. I was dating couples. And I started to realize that I wasn't the only one that could have this kind of orgasm. So I started talking to people and asking them, how do I get this set of data in order to engineer or design something that could be customizable to create a biomimetic sensation that felt like a human partner and that could eventually actually be hands-free? And so I was asking people for very specific data points. Where is your clitoris located? Where is your, your G-spot or your wreathable sponge located? What is the pelvic angle um, of your vaginal canal compared to your external um, pelvis? And what I discovered is that there was a trend in that data. And when you find a trend in that data, then you can start to design something that will fit a lot of different human beings. So that's when I actually ended up forming the company in 2017. And I took this idea to Dr. John Parmigiani at Oregon State University, who happens to be the top four robotics graduate school in the country. And you know, the first thing I say to this poor man is, um, hey, so I had this orgasm a couple of years ago and I want to recreate uh, the, the entire experience by creating a project, a product that helps you have a blended orgasm. And he just turned bright. Oh, I'm sure. And <laughs> he just blanched and he turned white and looked at me like I was, like I had two heads. And then I handed him this sheet with 52 functional engineering requirements um, that would uh, help to create this product. And he got really excited like a kid in a candy store. He was like, wow, yes, this is engineering. We could do this. And we put together an industry-funded research program that allowed students, PhDs, and uh, professors to work on the project. And within about eight or nine months, we had a design, we had a prototype, we had a proof of concept, and we had five patents that we had filed for. That's what we went and we, we applied for this International Consumer Electronics Show Award for Innovation as an honoree in innovation in robotics. And we did that thinking like, we're some no-name, no, like tiny little femme-led company with, you know, mo- a mostly queer engineering team. They're not going to even like bat an eyelash at us. Like they're just, they're going to toss us out. But we ended up getting that award. And that was huge. For us, it was, you know, just it told us at the time that maybe the tides were turning for femmes in engineering, for sex in technology, and that uh, sexual health and wellness was worthy of innovation or that it would be finally considered to be worthy of innovation. And then a month later, they took the award away and they actually called it obscene and profane. And that was their basis for removing the award, for rescinding it. And I mean, my, my heart through, fell through the floor and a lot of people on the outside, they see this, like this very strong femme that was like, you know, screw you. We're going to fight the patriarchy and we're going to win this award back. I'm going to tell you on the inside, I was terrified. I believe it. I, that's even worse than like not being looked at from the beginning, you know, to actually come and go through all of it, win the award 
and then them say, actually, no, I'm going to take that back because this is this is disqualified for being obscene. I, I mean, how do you even respond to that if they've if they've actually gone to that those links and measures to take it back? You know, uh, that that yeah. So what did you do? So this was in 2018 for the 2019 award, and. All I could like, you know, we we wrote letters back to them, just you know, telling them like, look, this is not a great time for you all to be overly patriarchal. This is not a good time. Um, not only that, but you you don't have, you know, in 2017 and in 2018, y'all didn't have a single female keynote speaker at your show. This is a show that has almost 5,000 exhibitors. And almost 200,000 attendees worldwide. This is a bit, the biggest tech show on the planet. And you didn't have a single keynote speaker that was them facing at all in two years. And then on top of that, y'all have had a booth babe problem for years. Selling tech that has nothing to do with sex, with sex, that doesn't make any sense. But you don't allow sex tech on the floor. That doesn't make any sense either. And not only that, here's the real hypocrisy is that there were sex tech products at their show on the floor for men. There was a VR porn company that was doing live demos on the floor. Crazy. There at the yeah, show. It, I know. And so we pled with them and they, they basically just repeatedly told us, no, and now you're banned from the show. And we're taking your award back. Don't ever call us again, pretty much. And we had Oregon State reach out to them. They ignored Oregon State. So then we decided, and like I said, like this was terrifying. Most people see this from the outside and they go, wow, that's really strong. Go women empowerment. I'm like, you know, I'm the whole time thinking like they're going to, you know, this is terrifying. This is scary. Everyone's going to call me a bitch. So everyone's going to call me a whiny bitch. That's what they're going, oh, poor thing got got her award taken away. So she's throwing a hissy fit. No, I was pissed. I was pissed. Yeah. Like when you look at, you know, but at the same time, I was, I was also scared. Like, you know, they're, they're just going to make fun of me. They're going to say that, you know, I'm just another whiny woman or something, something stupid like that. But our company is rooted in the values of respect, empowerment, and integrity. And we take that very seriously. And so just about every single day, we had to make this decision. Like, yes, we're going to go forward with this this massive international campaign against the gender bias at the consumer electronics show and in the world, in the technology industry at large, I had to check myself with those those values on a daily basis. If I move forward, is this in alignment with being respectful to others and myself? Is it being empowering? And is it maintaining my integrity? If the answer was still yes, I was still moving forward. As scared as I freaking was, the the imposter syndrome is really real. And so we went ahead and we launched this this international campaign against gender bias on the same day that this international show went live. And we blacked out their news. We were like like the big cloud over CES. You didn't hear about anything with a consumer electronics show if it wasn't somehow connected to the bias and hypocrisy uh, that they treated Laura DiCarlo with. And we went from being this tiny little engineering fenleg company of like six or seven people to being an overnight sensation. I immediately started on a... uh, on a, uh, an international press tour and motivational speaker tour around the world. My, one of my first big gigs was actually speaking in Israel at Tel Aviv for Forbes Women, for their Forbes Women 30 Under 30 Summits. And I thought I was going to pee my pants. 
I went from tinkering in the lab to standing on a stage in front of thousands of people talking about empowerment and at the same time being terrified that I, was, I still wasn't good enough. And well, it's so good to have, you know, for people who are listening to hear that, that, you know, that whole imposter and doubting and that's all normal. And we've, some of it is our conditioning, of course, and especially as females, I, I'm sure males might experience the same thing in a different way. But it really sounds like you took two experiences, one really wonderful and one not so wonderful, and that it has actually, it's, it's buoyed you to where you are now, that you responded to that with, it's like looking at a gap. You know, I think a lot of times innovators, I mean, you did that with your company, but even what you did responding to um, the, the rescinding of your award, it's, I think a lot of innovators look at those gaps that are there and have the courage to fill in the gap, fill in to say like, this, this is an area that needs some work. And, you know, and I think that like, again, I'm an entrepreneur as well. I didn't at all set out to be that way. But I think it's encouraging for other women in particular to know that, like, look for those areas. They're there. There's so many. There's gaps where thing that needs something needs to be strengthened. Something especially, something needs to be spoken. Especially something. where they're yeah yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever um, read the book or heard of the book by oh I can't remember, but it's called Invisible Woman. No, I haven't read it. Oh my gosh. Or invisible female. I've got it here somewhere. But it's literally about how technology, every single thing that has ever been created has been created with the male body or the male physique or the male form in mind. Um, Even my Apple Watch that I just took off. So I'm like, here, my Apple Watch. No. So even my Apple Watch is, even though the quote unquote uh, woman's size or the smaller version of it, whatever. and And both of them, they're all actually designed for male physiology. You know, seat belts are designed for male physiology. Flak jests, Kevlar, all of it, all designed for male physiology. And only in the last couple of years have we started as entrepreneurs to take that back. The uh, uh, coveralls and, and construction gear and clothing, it's all designed for male physiology. And only in the last few years has femme-facing and queer and LGBTQ entrepreneurs started to take that, take hold of those reins and saying, guess what? There are other bodies out there and they need to have things that are designed for them. And that's what we decided to do is we realized, hey, guess what? Like we've had male entrepreneurs making vibrators for decades. Literally, the vibrator was was created a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago by a Dr. Mortimer Granville, who created the product in order to combat female hysteria. And literally, just because his hands were tired, I'm sorry, maybe you know, getting off one too many of them just gave you carpal tunnel and you just wanted to take a break. I don't know. But I mean, we've literally seen um, the vibrator take shape and form in a like million different forms in a million different shades of pink and rhinestones. And I got sick of it. I was like, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. We want something that actually works with different kinds of bodies. And so I kicked off this company with, yes, this was my experience, but every single company, every single product thereafter so, oh, to close up that CES story, they gave us our award back. They gave us an apology. What we did after that was probably more significant than just getting the award back. So we sat down and we negotiated with them to have sex tech 
be allowed at the biggest technology show in the world under, not in its own category, because that I believe can actually cause more stigma. Like, well, there's the sex tech category. No, we wanted to be in the greater health and wellness category because that's what it is, sexual health and wellness. So now we are actually allowed and welcome to be at that show as a part of the health and wellness category. Um, And then shortly after that, we launched our first product, Osei, and we went from being a $0 in revenue company in 2020 to seven and a half million in our first year. Amazing. I mean, completely blew everything out of the water. We went from that, from the one single product to 11 products. And I'm going to tell you, we had that first product that was, that was based on one experience I had and then definitely sussed out and tested with many others. But what we did after that was more significant in the fact that we asked a whole lot of people, what do you want? What are the biggest problems that you see within sexuality? And how can, how can we solve them with our avant-garde technology and our data-driven approach? And so now we have 11, 11 more products on our line and we're continuing to build out that line. So we have our, our lines built out for the next 24 months and they're constantly being informed by our community. And we're actually asking... Yeah, people- so, okay. Because I'm sure this thought, many people are having this question, which is, how do you test these out? Like, I'm not sure you have like a lab rats over here testing them out, being like, this is the one. Oh, you no, know, it literally, it, that is literally what happens. Um, so it, 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 there are different, there are um, a bunch of different levels of testing. You start out with that concept phase. I'm there at just about every level mm-hmm. of testing, every level of design, and I'm working with my team. But basically we go in, we make sure that we pull in all the data that we need. We get a concept together. Okay, this is a product that we're going to create. And we want it to do a thing. We want it to make a circle motion. We'll just say that. And they, what they start doing is they start... We have a full lab here and a full engineering team here in the building down on the first floor. And we have this crazy lab um, with our awesome team. And uh, we actually 3D print and CAD everything up so that we can start looking at physical forms. How does this feel in your hand? Is this the right size? Like, you know, and we start catting up and creating mechanisms and devices and start, okay, is this the right motion that we want? And then we start putting it together into one piece and we start testing it while it's hooked up to power in the lab. So I will go down and we have several internal testers that will go in and they'll just test it out. In the lab, Are they doing this in front of everybody or is this like, give me a little... No, no, okay, no, 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 no. We have, we have a private room um, in the lab. We, we close everything off. That person goes in, they're, they're briefed on how to do the testing, you know, and we want to know how are they using the product and what is most effective for them and if we're hitting the mark on certain things. So it, every testing round is different. So we'll send them in there. They do the whole round. They write down all of their notes while they're doing that. And then we take, we gather up all of these notes. I'm one of those people, obviously. Um, I go through all those testing, all that rigmarole. And, and then we go through and we say, okay, what are the things we need to change? And they go through. And what's really neat about having your own lab and having a really cool 3D printer is that we can actually go back in and CAD up uh, those changes and turn around that next iteration within 24 to 72 hours. Most of the time for most uh, creators of products like these or any consumer product, you have to send it to your manufacturer and get it back anywhere between four to eight weeks later. So we can do that in a short amount of time. So we continue that process and we refine that process in the lab until we get to the point where we're like, okay, let's send this to the manufacturer, create a fully encapsulated body. It looks very much like the product, but it's still 3D printed, and but something that people can take home and we can send out to a greater 
a wider round of testers. So that's when I start sending usable rounds to people like Cara Delevingne. Um, you know, we'll send her form factors, but then I'll send her something that's actually she can actually use while she's on set somewhere in Europe, right? Uh, for those of the those of you that don't know, Cara Delevingne actually came on as a an investor creative advisor and co-owner with us last year because she saw our brand and what we were doing in society and was like, that is so on brand for both of us and really just resonated with each other and wanted to make a difference. So Amazing. we ended up co- we ended up partnering. So I'll send her those. So that that's when we send stuff out, we get it back, we do tests again, and then we start to finalize that design. And then we go into manufacturing. And we'll send out those, those smaller runs to anywhere between people just here that are in our test runs here, to influencers, to professionals, experts, you name it, um, and get their feedback. And then we'll finalize that design. That's incredible. So there, I have so many questions. I love the fact that you've blended like real science behind it. And, and I want to tap into that in a moment, uh, plus the robotics and the design. How does one acquire a lab, your own lab? Like, how did that happen? Did you have to get funding for it? Was that just as you sold more? I mean, I'm sure you have to have the pieces to sell to generate that kind of revenue, but which came first, really? It started, I mean, we, it, it's definitely like you don't just ban your lab. Right. We started with the Oregon State Lab. So we started in Corvallis. It's just right around the corner from the um, the campus. And we had a lab in, on campus as well that we worked on and, and we met with the students there. And then we um, started getting space off campus and bringing those students to and hiring and actually hiring them internally. So we actually still have two of our early employees that uh, were graduating at the time. They've been our longest running employees. They've been with us. It'll be year three for them now. Uh, this year. And they're, what's kind of also neat is they're both the youngest employees that we have and are longest running and they're both female-facing mm. engineers. So that's that's pretty cool. So what we did is we, we created that lab in Oregon State and we, we that, was, that was funded through the university and through our partnership with them, um, which was really reasonable for a startup for me at the time. And then we kind of graduated after our first round of funding and we created that lab just outside of outside of uh, Oregon State. Then post all of the CES um, uh, debacle uh, is when we started creating the headquarters here in Bend, Oregon, which is where we are now. And so we had two separate offices for a while. We had a lab in Corvallis and we had a, a headquarter, uh, more marketing focused and, and executive focused lab in Bend, Oregon. And then about a year and a half ago, I believe, we found the building that we're in now. And it happened to be just perfect. Uh, we have the it's a three story building. We have basically all of our engineers downstairs. Um, they all moved from Corvallis. And they moved here for us, and I'm super happy. Like our team is our, our engineering team is fabulous. They're super solid. They're all really really close with each other. They all go do stuff on the weekends, and they're just they're a ball. I absolutely adore them. And so we put all of their offices downstairs. And we have a lab towards the back of the building where we put all of our equipment, our uh, 3D printers, our laser cutters, 
Um, everything downstairs, all of our testing equipment is down there. And then the second floor, which I'm on, is mostly executive offices, um, finance, our, uh, our directors. And then the top floor is almost all marketing and uh, customer service folks and our coaches as well. So we're starting to come back in the office. And I'm really excited because next week actually is our, our company retreat. So it's not just folks here in Bend, Oregon, but we have folks that are all over the country and all over the world. Uh, we have about 22 folks that that work directly for uh, Lord of Carlo full-time. Um, and then we have probably another 12 to 15 full-time contractors. So we have more than 30 um, employees here at Lord of Carlo. You know, a handful of those are, you know, in Texas, in New York. Um, some of them are even in Barcelona, just all over the place. And really excited because we're going to have everybody here in at the headquartered office next week. And some of those people we've never even met before because we're coming out of COVID and we've we've had some hires during the, the pandemic. And we're like, oh, it'll be the first time we ever get to see your face in person. So that'll be fun. Well, kudos to you. What an amazing journey. Do you think the pandemic helped the business? <laughs> Short answer, yes. <laughs> so I, I think there, there are definitely two things that came out of this. I, I think if you're looking at it from a societal standpoint and or, or actually from a from an individual growth standpoint i think it i think it's been a, it's been a terrible thing and we've lost a lot of life and it's um i actually got covid very early on i got covid last march almost a year and a half ago now i guess and it was terrifying and so i know that it's affected a lot of lives and i don't want to diminish that fact but for humans, I know that we've been through a lot as individuals, but I think a lot of us were forced into uh, isolation and realized, shoot, I have to really get to know my partner or I have to really get to know myself. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that, oh, I've got me time. Like, I think a lot of people are like, well, what do you do? Like, I've got to get to know myself. There are a lot of things that I can do to get to know my own body. Um, and I think it was almost like this forced introspection for a lot of people. So our sales actually kind of rocketed for a little while. Yeah, there. I totally agree. I think it was it was definitely a growth opportunity during a you know a very challenging time for sure, like you mentioned. But um, because so much of our regular lives was um, vastly different, it really, and we were isolated. I'm sure relationships either improved or really didn't improve. And that goes yeah. for all relationships, including the one with yourself. Yeah. yeah that, that is a really, really good point. So that, we actually called the, um, when everybody, the week that everybody got their stimulus checks, we called it the, the stimulus for stimulation week. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Because we saw, there's we so saw many, I bet a, there's so many great double entendres. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, it was, it was, it, but yeah, I think that's that's actually a really great way to put it. Is it, it tested all relationships, including the relationship with yourself. I, I think at first it was really hard for a lot of people, and then after a while, you start to like. I, I would hope that you start feeling a little bit more at home mm -hmm. with with who you are and understanding that, like, it's hard. There's a lot of sh there's a lot of shit about for me personally that that I discovered about myself that at first I was like, I don't like that. I don't want to deal with it. And over time, I've been like, I don't like that. I want to change that. I want to be better. 
And so there's a huge opportunity for a lot of us to just be better, or you can continue to run and hide from it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So linking this kind of state of mind and stuff, because I thought it was interesting, the first vibrator was developed to deal with the women's, what was it, um, condition? (laughs) Uh, Oh, now you said it. Oh, like like frenzied or something or... Yeah, um, hysteria. Right, so... But it, but it triggered something in me. I thought, you know, that's the wrong term, of course, to use. But the idea is probably there is anxiety, you know? And what I'd love to know now is in your deep dive into the clitoris and the all, all of the sensations down there and the physiology, like what actually, I mean, that that what the orgasm gives is a release. But we all feel it. It's like this hot, like it really is like you're, neurotransmitters must just light up. And so there is a, in terms of that, again, we want it to be more like dealing with maybe modulating the nervous system. Can you speak a little bit about like the physiology of an orgasm and what is happening besides like, it just really feels good? There, there have been plenty of studies about like the neurology of an orgasm. And we know that like the brain actually like just full on lights up during an orgasm, we release dopamine, serotonin, all of these feel-good hormones and these relaxation hormones and hormones that allow us to bond to other human beings. And if you're alone, guess what you get to do? You bond with yourself. You get to know yourself a little bit more. That is so cool. Um, So, and, And literally what's happening too is if you are having... We can get kind of get you know, down a little, little dirty, not so dirty, but when you're actually having one of these particular kinds of orgasms, and and I'm not going to say that orgasm is the goal. I mean, the goal here is just to, to understand your body a little bit more and, and to feel pleasure. Our brand aims to enhance bodily empowerment because all bodies are worthy of pleasure. We're not talking orgasms, just pleasure. You're, you are worthy of feeling worthy. Mm -hmm. And and we, that's that's kind of the message that we're trying to send. Um, we're we are working to close the orgasm gap, which is the result of people not understanding what their own bodies are capable of and not knowing how to ask for help or what they want. Um, but we also put the focus on the journey, not just the destination. The exploration itself is empowering. But as far as the physiology goes, um, for having a particular kind of orgasm or that kind of full body orgasm. Some people can actually have a squirting orgasm, which is also very much akin to that blended orgasm. So when you're stimulating the glands clitoris on the outside, you want to start with the glands clitoris. And then when you start stimulating what was formerly known as the G-spot, which is probably better known as the urethral sponge, which is on the anterior, the inside front wall of the vaginal canal, generally is about an inch to an inch and a half deep inside the vaginal canal. And you'll feel what feels kind of like a... um, it feels like a spongy walnut, actually. Um, and, and that's after you, if you've stimulated the glands clitoris enough so that you feel aroused, you'll find that blood flow flows throughout the entire body of the clitoris and into that little quote unquote walnut or the urethral sponge. And all of this is interconnected. So you're you're having blood flow throughout this entire area. And the, the clitoris can actually engorge to over twice its size. So that whole area fills with blood. And what happens is if you stimulate that little walnut using a come hither motion with your fingers and put some deep pressure on that, what happens is that even if you had just gone to the bathroom and fully evacuate your entire bladder, 
you start stimulating that glands, clitoris, and that little walnut that the uh, urethral sponge on the inside, it will trigger above that, um, superior to that, what's called the Skanes gland or AKA also the female prostate. And the Skanes gland will actually dump things like prostate-specific antigen and fructose into the bladder along with fluid. And you will actually have what's known as a squirting orgasm because of that, um, that kind of stimulation. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, I peed the bed. You didn't pee the bed. Guess what? If you were to actually take and analyze the fluid that you have just expelled and just literally came, that fluid is actually made up of prostate-specific antigen, fructose, fluid. There's a trace amount of urea only because it came from the bladder, but it isn't urine. Fluid was dumped in there because you are having a sporting orgasm and it is fabulous and you should embrace it and you should love it. And it is amazing. And actually there are in some, in some societies, in some ancient societies, they've actually called it the ambrosia drink of the gods. Men have worshipped this in, in millennia past. So you should be proud of it. And it is absolutely mind-blowing. But the whole point here is that orgasms are good for you. Pleasure is good for you. And we actually surveyed almost uh, 1,500 people the year before last. And we asked people, what are, what are the top reasons that you masturbate? And the resounding top three reasons were, I want to sleep better. It helps me decrease stress. And I want to feel pleasure. That sounds like wellness. It totally does. Sounds like it could be a yoga class. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. And you know, it's interesting. I was listening to, and I can't remember this woman's name. I was listening to this woman being interviewed on a podcast and it was about wellness and aging. And she was, I would say maybe 80 or something. And she was giving tips on aging. And she said, and you want to masturbate because when you masturbate and you orgasm, that is a youthful thing. Like you will, your body feels young. It's like almost like, hey, it's good to be pleasured anyway, but it also keeps you young because your body feels like you're young. It's like at some point, people kind of stop, you know, their sexuality is it like flatlines or something because, you know, menopause, et cetera, uh-huh. et cetera. And she's like, actually, you can kind of, you know, gain back some of that by, by, purposefully masturbating, not only does it feel great, but it's actually serving this greater purpose. I'd never thought of that. Yeah, you can kickstart it. And it is, there is definitely a, if you don't use it, lose it kind of mentality. And I can't, I'm, I'm 35, so I can't speak from experience, but we do speak to a lot of folks um, that are in our aging categories and folks that are going through pain, through menopause, that have been through menopause. And you see a lot of, when you stop using it, you see a, a, a thinning of the mucosal lining in the vaginal canal. I, I think a lot of the time we're, you know, when we're younger, we're, we're so easily turned on and we're so easily lubricated that we just expect for that to continue. Guess what? It's, it's, not, it's not a you problem. It's just, it's an aging thing. And um, guess what? I'm 35 and I started having, having to use lubricants when I was in my late 20s. There's nothing, there's no shame about that. Um, so we highly recommend 
a lot of, you know, using a lot of lube. And the more you stimulate yourself, the higher your libido will get. Having sex and having orgasms is a lot like making any other habit, in my opinion. The more you do it, the more you want it, and the more you enjoy it. And it becomes a little bit of an addiction, and your body is prepared for it then. You're ready to go. And the more likely your body is actually going to start creating that lubricant itself, the more your body is actually going to start thickening that lining and being less prone to tears, to discomfort, to um, spasms. And, you know, that can start with dilators, it can start with dildos, it can start with um, just external manipulation and sensation. But start doing it your way, period. End of story. I mean, like we're personally, we think that sex education needs an overhaul. Oh, yeah. Period. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter if you're seven or you're 70. I've found that not nearly enough people know nearly enough about sex or sex education or about their own bodies. I've met people in their 60s that have never even taken a mirror to their vulva, you know, and, uh, and dare I say, might not ever had an orgasm. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of women. Yeah, yeah. also I've met people that in, it, you know, of all ages that have never had an orgasm. I've had teenagers. I've had teenagers reach out to me and ask me, you know, tell me literally, hi, Laura, all of my friends are having sex. I'm 14. I don't want to have sex, but I don't, but I want to experience an orgasm. What do I do? The fact is, is that our children are going to be sexual creatures and telling them to not be sexual creatures is not going to change what they do. The best thing that we can do is to allow them to explore, allow them to understand that there is no shame in pleasure. There's no shame in their bodies. Um, For starters, like in education, the focus should not just be on pregnancy prevention and STIs. I opened up my medical textbook and you know what you see? You see like this whole spread about men's health and like how... You know how they have an orgasm, how they get hard, how they they receive pleasure, all these things. Then you fo- then you open up to the uh, the uh, female anatomy, and all you all you read about are how they have babies and how you get STDs, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's scary. That's um, right. Those are that, those are. I mean, obviously, getting pregnant when you want to is good, but that's like, yeah, those are not like. Uh, pleasurable topics necessarily for a teenager. Well, no. And I mean, we shouldn't be just focusing on one type of sex, like penis and vagina sex, but rather the focus should be on educating young adults and all adults, all humans about their bodies and the difference in which they can all experience their bodies and experience pleasure. And that's a really important component. Pleasure is a really important component. And I think it's all, yes. And I think it's really tied in again to loving yourself first. Like how, how hard is that for people? It really is, but it goes into all the different layers. Like, um, that you're not, you're really not there to serve another person. And that's how you get validated. We have to first love ourselves. And so few people know how to do that, but I think it's like not, especially women, they're not really taught that, you know, it's like we have been kind of modeled how to take care of others and I personally never had that issue because I grew up with three boys and I was treat my dad was an orthopedic surgeon. So when you said that, um, and yeah. yeah, so I just a great household, very loving and very egalitarian. My dad talked about sex at the table. You know, one of my favorite stories is I came home and it was like sixth grade and I was talking about how we looked at sperm under a microscope because it was we were having sex ed and and I was like it was so crazy there you know it's all wiggly. And my dad's like, what was your science teacher doing at lunch? And it was just, you know, like 
it was, and we just all were <laughs> laughing. And, you know, it was, it was, it was funny because it was not like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't talk about that. My dad was, exactly. it was, a, you know, yeah. very scientist, but also very loving and could say like, hey, you should know about these things. Sex, sex was never a bad thing. It was just a loving thing. Yeah. We, we approach it with, we try to approach it with some humor because we know that, that, that folks are very like, they're very nervous about it. So we do approach it with humor, but I do want to ask every single parent that, that's listening to this, rolling their eyes going, oh gosh, we don't need to, we don't need to teach them about pleasure and about like all of this. Think about it this way. If your child, and, and we know all children, as young as toddlers and babies start touching themselves. If we start teaching them that pleasure is okay, that self-pleasure is okay, and that, hey, just go into your room. And I've known parents that if you're going to do that, just go in your room, you can do that. Teach them that self-pleasure is okay in the right way to do it the right way to, to, to positively and confidently explore your body and start teaching them about masturbation and about pleasure and about what's actually going on with their bodies beyond just the negative, guess what's going to happen? Kids are not going to be trying to have sex with each other. They're going to be more interested in trying to figure out their own bodies, what they like about their own bodies, where their pleasure points are, how they can take care of themselves. And when you start to do that and you understand your own body, you start creating a sense of bodily autonomy, which allows your your daughter or your son or your transsexual son or daughter to be able to say, this is my body. I know how it works and I can protect it and I know what's good and what's bad for it. That's what we're doing. We're not telling kids to go, oh, go have sex with with so-and-so so you can experience it. We're telling them, you know, this is how you can lovingly embrace your body with with positivity and confidence. And when you sh- when you teach them that kind of confidence, that's the kind of confidence that allows them to understand who they are in this world, understand their identity, and how it allows them to show up and become someone much, even earlier. Because can you imagine like even, even having a, a sexually open family, I still ended up going into high school and college with some stigma because the other people that I went to school with had stigma mm-hmm. and I had to deal with their shame too, which eventually when you're a teenager, you're very impressionable. That tends to kind of uh, project on you and you end up with somebody else's stigma. If we can actually start teaching like young teens, preteens and teenagers that it is okay and actually teaching them about pleasure, I think that we're actually going to not just see a lot less teen pregnancy, um, we're going to see a lot of young folks that grow up into adults. Um, we're going to see an entire shift in our younger generations where they are more confident and happy with who they are as individuals and who are more accepting and loving of each other as I well. could not agree more. It's like literally the essence of empowerment. Because if you mm-hmm. do know yourself more and you're very comfortable, that's also like all the comfort and it is being taught and educated and not shamed in any of the like church, state, school, family, all of it. But it's just like, hey, these are bodies we have. Let's get to know them. Let's understand them. Let's do the things. And that then the choices you make, like the foods you eat, the exercises you do, all of it. It's like, if this is this beautiful body we are given. As a physical therapist, like I, having worked with people who have, you know, had serious injuries, um, disabilities, life-altering things. I always am... Oh, you would love me then. I treat my body like a temple and a playground. It's terrible. Well, It's awesome. (laughs) No, I do that a little bit too. I'm probably a little more cautious now. But yeah, I look at it more like a a scientific experience, like experiment. Like I want to do that and I'm going to do it 
you know, it's kind of that like fearless, but not reckless. Like I'm going to be like on the edge, but yeah. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you for hours. Um, so one of my final questions is, <laughs> were you able to replicate that original orgasm? And if so, oh, which yeah. product do you recommend the most? I'm sure you love oh, them yeah. all, but, and it does sound like you're, it's very individual, but tell us about that. Yes. So it is, um, it's called Osei. We have an Osei 2 because what we did immediately after we released the first one is we started taking in feedback. And for those that it wasn't, you know, working perfectly, we were like, okay, what do we need to do to change it? Like, how do we, how do we fix this? And so we've been, we basically held the hands of a lot of people um, and said, what do we need to do to make this work for you? And we said that to thousands of people. I took calls with hundreds of people. Said, like, how can this be better? And it was always a surprise when like, you know, I, they'd set up a Zoom call with when we had uh, with a product coach and I would pop in and they'd be like, you're a product coach? And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm in the company. Let's do this. Like, what can we do better? So we redesigned our initial design and we uh, released Osei 2. And we've, I mean, that, that product gets about four and a half, five stars and is absolutely fabulous. So not only do we have that product, but we have a free coaching service. So you can set up a... Before you even buy the product, you can set up a coaching service with one of our coaches and you'll go in and you can talk about Osei or it might be that like what the kind of experience you're after mm-hmm. might be something else that we have. So we'll talk to you and be like, okay, well, yeah, like if you've, you know, if you have pain, if you have um, like what kind of experience you're after, what your experience has been, um, and try to understand what is the thing that's going to be best for you, given what kind of experience that you want to achieve. And then if you're, especially if you're going to get OSA, there is a little bit of a fitting process for some folks because everybody's a little bit different. We've kind of gotten it down to a really nice science where you can almost out of the box have it fit you right. Sometimes there's a little bit of adjustment. If you have any trouble with the adjustment, we'll get on a Zoom with you and we'll talk you through that process. Um, or we'll talk you through email or on phone, like however you want to do that to make sure that you have the best experience possible. And so that product, um, Osei 2, is available on our website. This is how complex these things are. And this is why it's definitely kind of a new wave into the technology of sexual intimacy because. If you look at a just a normal vibrating dildo, you're looking at about 20 to 50 parts in one product. Osei 2 has almost 250 parts in this product. It's very complex, but there's a reason for that. It's not just a toy. In fact, it's not a toy. It's a tool. It is a tool for self-discovery, exploration, and pleasure. This is going to help you understand where your pleasure points are, how you like to be touched, at what frequency you like to be touched, how deeply or how intense you like your situations. And you can do all of that with this one product. Is it battery operated or plug-in? It's No, it's it's rechargeable. It's rechargeable, fully, fully waterproof. It is... Uh, some people look at it and they're like, oh, it's really big. But like when you look at it, it looks like two. Let me hold on one second. I'll show you. And I know that doesn't help the people that are listening right but now. I but I can give I can give commentary about what I'm looking at. Oh, I'm so excited here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually it's kind of like having two like two specific. Oh wow, that is one. large. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you've got a phallic end that goes internally, and then you've got the clitoral end. You'll see that this actually goes over the glands clitoris. There's a little hole, okay. and it goes over the top of the glands clitoris, and then there's an interface that that basically um, interfaces with the entire 
rest of the external portion of the clitoris and it causes a it creates a thudding sensation through the rest of the body of the clitoris. So what is really special about this is it completely forms to your body. So no matter what kind of shape you are, you can bend this in any direction you want. Some people are even like kind of cockeyed a little bit, mm-hmm. not that cockeyed, right. but they're a little bit tilted to one side or the other or tilted like that. Right. And this is so hard to describe, but basically like your your G-spot and your clitoris could be um, on a different transverse plane. Right. Um, so you might need to wiggle back and forth. Your uh, pelvic angle could be a little bit more obtuse or a little bit more acute. You could like to have it really intense so you can actually bend it in such a way that it it creates uh, a clamping sensation. So you get like a really intense feeling. Um, and basically what this does, this is actually, oh, this is, this is old. This is one of our, our manufactured prototypes. So it's a, sounds funny. Um, but you can see it actually creates this oh, sweeping oh, yeah. sensation. So, sweeping yeah. Sensation. If you guys could see this, oh, it's like, there's a, it's not like, like you would just finger. have something and it vibrates. There's actually, there's movement within mm-hmm. the internal, what would you call that? Like, do you and call that a shaft like, or a like dildo? It's not like, what is that? It's it's like a it's a finger it's basically like a finger nub that 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 protrudes from the shaft mm-hmm. and sweeps back and forth over the top of the, the uh, G spot. So wow, this and is then if you this look, is sciency. Uh, I love this. <laughs> That's so. And then the this portion that goes over the glands clitoris actually there is a fluttering sensation, uh-huh. and I don't know if you can hear you can hear that. What it does is it creates a suction over the top of the glands clitoris right. and it uh, stimulates the glands clitoris. And then there's the rest of this interface when this is, when the glands clitoris has created a, a, a seal, it causes the rest of this cup to uh, kind of reverberate throughout the entire body of the clitoris. So really you're, you're tackling the, the whole clitoris. Nothing, nothing is going. Um, yes. Every, everything's getting yes. taken. No Every, one is being neglected. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Wow. That's our, this is basically our hero product. Okay. And that comes with um, any product that you buy at Lorda Carlo. It comes under warranty. Um, we want to make sure. And if you don't like something, like give me a call. Um, we want to make sure that you're happy. I want to hear about experiences. I want to hear how did you like it? What can we do better in the future? What are some things that you want to see? I can literally, I have uh, several products on our roadmap right now that are there. Because we had so many questions in Instagram about like, hey, I have this problem. And literally got that question so many times that we're like, let's do a thing. There you go. Solve. Let's make a thing. So we're, close close yeah. the gap. Yeah. I love that. Well, what a pleasure it has been talking to you, learning all about, all about your products, all about your journey. And you are really quite the Shiro. I'm so grateful to have um, spend this time with you and everyone, please go look this up. So we're all taking good care of ourselves. Pleasure is not something to be denied or to be shameful, but to celebrate. And, and in celebrating ourselves and our own um, desires, we're we're really setting forth um, the permission for others to do so. And we want to do that for ourselves, for our friends, for our families, for our children, and for generations to come. So that we're just a happier society, <laughs> you know. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much. Um, Any other places that people can find the products and more information about you? We'll have it in the show notes as well. 
Yeah. Um, if your website is just lauradicarlo.com, that's L-O-R-A-D-I-C-A-R-L-O.com. Uh, if you're on social media, the, the company, the headquarters is lauradicarlo underscore HQ. And if you have any questions for me directly, I'm just Laura underscore DiCarlo. And um, you can reach out to me. We've got uh, all of the folks that work on our social media and work on any kind of forward-facing or front-facing or external-facing applications like customer service. They're all trained by me. And they most of them are actually sexual educators. So feel you can feel like you're in a safe space there too. And uh, if you have any questions about products, I mean, get on and, and do a, an actual product interview. We're happy to talk about all of it. You can basically see how everything works before you ever have to, have to buy. And uh, we actually also have a, a therapist on staff. Uh, if you have questions about stuff that is... Maybe a little extra. Maybe you're you're concerned about communication with your partner. Maybe you're concerned about some trauma that you've had. Maybe you're concerned about your identity or, you know, any of the above or, or menopause. We have therapists on staff that can talk about that as well. Wow. What a full, I mean, I'm just, I'm in awe. Way, way to go, woman. I'm applauding you. Thank you. Can't wait to meet you. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of you listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.